When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Are we ready? I guess not. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. You know, we feel this organization's a family, and that's why I think our approach, whether it's right or wrong, that we're able to get guys like Anthony Barr to come back, uh, to get guys like Shamar to come back, uh, to keep guys when we have to make tough business decisions. So I think that's the culture that we've tried to create and will continue to, to create. And I think that's why we're able to retain as many players uh, as we had it. You might as well bring that to the air. <laughs> Mackie and Jeb with Rami. Well, it's not that important. I, you, you just played that soundbite from uh, Rick Spielman. He's starting to sound like Joe Namath he a little is. bit. I want to kiss you. I <laughs> <laughs> Poor Joe. You know, a guy has few too many drinks and says something untoward. I think you're pretty. <laughs> I'm going to have to feel this organization's a family, yeah. <laughs> and that's why. By the way, I just noticed there's a 40 inch oh, TCL great... TV. I saw. This. Oh wow! <laughs> I was oh, my sitting. Goodness. I was sitting where R- Rami sits. When I was on with Collar, that is how you watch traffic. <laughs> like, until now, I've always been like, those traffic cams are so boring, I can't see a thing. Now I'm like, I might stay here tonight and Amazing. watch traffic. Amazing. So, how did I not see that? And how are these TCL TVs just reproducing? I got another one in here. It just popped up in the corner here. They're too. breeding. I got they a 40 are. Chair over here, too. Well, awesome. they got lots of time. We leave. They got privacy. <laughs> we, have, know. we have had, by the way, since we're starting the show off with a TCL spot, I guess, uh, we have had like four or five of you listeners in the last 24 hours have gone out of your way to tweet us and send us pictures of your TCL TVs that you've recently bought, specifically because we've been hammering it into your head on this show for a long time. So thank you yeah. for doing that. If you want to send it. us TVs, though, that would be cool, yeah. too. <laughs> right. <laughs> Got a nice the pictures thing. are great. But right. Exactly. Yeah. So um, so I, I feel like let's uh, Rami emailed us earlier today, and I, w- I want to set it up this way in terms of NFL free agency week and Vikings. So today, unless I miss something in the last hour, it looks like uh, the Vikings have an offer out to Nick Easton, mm-hmm. and he's going to do some more visits, and he'll make his decision next week. But like that was the news today. We are now 48 hours into the signing period, and I almost feel like... Day one was it, right? Day day one of tampering was the big day in NFL free agency. No, Wednesday, well, it wasn't free agency per se, but Wednesday night, the Le'Veon Bell and Odell Beckham Jr. Okay. news broke within hours of each other. So day one of tampering, yeah, you're right. And then day one of signing. Right. And, and for the Vikings, they or made the Everson Griffin, Anthony Barr moves. Can I say I was I was expecting more? I don't know, like Le'Veon Bell went to a team and Antonio Brown went to a team and the Vikings brought back two high-priced players. From the league or from the Vikings? Mostly from the league. I don't know. I went in thinking this is going to be two weeks of gloriousness and it was like 48 hours and now we're back down to the Nick Eastons of the world and everyone (laughs) everyone has a team pretty much. Or was I? Were my expectations for this week just too lofty? Too high. uh, they, They were too lofty for too long. Okay. Football free agency frenzy bonanza. Like that's been in my head all week. Like, yeah. Yes. Right. Feed me in my veins. Free agency. Had, uh, and everyone picked a team already. Never get enough, can you? Huh? I want. I guess what I'm saying is, I wanted. 
I'm not saying why why aren't there more players? I I think I wanted this to drag on a little bit more. Like so and so is that we're going to follow so and so's private yeah. plane across the, the country. The now time, they're going to the, the timeline could have been a little better and could have built some more drama. But I think the NFL got what they wanted out of it. I don't know if you did, but I think the NFL it was, got what it was they Beckham, wanted. it was a good quick one night stand. It felt like Beckham got traded. Like, that was out of nowhere. We had had Kevin Seifert on uh, Purple Daily a couple days ago from ESPN.com, and he said that, because at the time I was in, like, full free agency frenzy bonanza mindset, and I said, am I prisoner of the moment? Is this recency bias, or is this the craziest NFL free agency opening that that we've seen in years? And he said, well, the trades are what really made it crazy. When, When you look at the talent pool that was out there, and free agency, it wasn't that great outside of Le'Veon Bell and a couple of other guys. But what really amped up the excitement and the craziness of this this free agency period was actually two big trades in Odell Beckham Jr. and Antonio Brown going. You know what it was? I should have put more more thought into like the the way I described it. It you guys have seen the movie The Hangover, yeah, where it was just yeah, it's like. 7 p.m. until 4 a.m. Everything happened in one night, and then you're just left to piece everything together. And I, I was expecting more of a courtship between me and the NFL. I was, <laughs> I was expecting more of a well, bachelor couple weeks. Let's spread this out. Oh, no, so it's, it's, a night in the fantasy suite. Yeah. yeah, it's never two weeks though. It's never two weeks. But I think I think where you are disappointed was the the legal tampering period started last year, right, or two years ago? Couple, mm-hmm. Yeah, somewhere in there. Anyway. The first day of that tampering period had never been this aggressive. So by the time Tuesday was done, deals were done. And, and previously, I feel like that had been, hey, you know, why don't you come and visit us at 3 o'clock on Wednesday, and then we might do something. And, of course, it would be done by that time, but it was sort of this expectation of, okay, the legal tampering period has allowed players to talk to teams, and now those players are going to sign, and we're right. going to find out about on Wednesday. But I think where your real problem is, is the same problem that young kids have with drugs. <laughs> and it's this. What just happened? And it's this. Hold on a second. What makes you Monday, suspiciously the foremost authority on this topic? Can right I now? explain it? I learned it from watching you, Dad. Can I explain it? <laughs> <laughs> on Monday, on Monday, the legal tampering period gave Phil a free trial. Oh, he got a taste. He got a taste. He got a taste. He got a taste. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now the league came back on Wednesday and said, "Okay, that was your only taste, but now you got to pay up." And Phil's like, "What? Well, taste? I got to. I got to have some more." Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's yeah. So yeah. I think you got roped in yeah. the same way a savvy guy who hangs around a high school ropes in the kids by giving you that free agency, free taste. And then Wednesday they came back and said, "You're gonna have to pay for this now." Yeah. And you're like, like I, "I don't have the money because it's." <laughs> I can't bear for this. Uh, and then you went home and your parents it. are like, Phil, are you hot? You're like, I've been a couple days. getting more and more personal. It is. Yeah. Because, you know, if you just, if you two weeks ago would have created a list of these are all the things that are going to happen. Odell Beckham Jr. is going to sign. Antonio Brown or is going to be traded. Antonio Brown is going to go to the Raiders. Uh, Le'Veon Bell is going to decide very quickly on Jets. Vikings are going to have this back and forth with the Jets. Antonio, uh, uh, Anthony Barr. I would have said, yeah, that list, sign me up for that list. And I almost feel like it all happened too close together to process. And now here we are on Friday, and it's like, well, that, that it's over? It's pretty much over. Here's it's like a bunch you. of Nick Eastons on the market now. Here's the good news. It's not over, Phil. It's not over. Free agency. Go ahead and hit it. Football free agency frenzy bonanza. Still going on, man. This is when free agency is won. This is when football teams win free agency is now through next week. This this the big names are off the board, yes, but and Sage Rosenfeld's made this same point on these airwaves and on Twitter, which is that the real winners in free agency are usually the teams that stay away from the silly money that's getting spent in the first few days or even first week. And they get in on that second wave of free agents in in the second week of free agency. This is how the Patriots have operated forever now. And the entire Bill Belichick era, the only time the Patriots break that mold and go out of their way to go and get a guy, whether it's through a trade or through free agency, is when they see like a difference maker who's out there, who's available, who they can have at the right price, like Darrell Revis. That was a guy who they went out and went out of their way to go and get. Was that a trade or a or a free agent signing, Darrell Revis? I, I think don't, it was a- I don't remember, but but the yeah, I don't remember either. example to what you're saying when Ted Thompson was good at this was right. was uh, Woodson, 
Charles when Woodson. he went out, and because that was in the secondary tier, mm-hmm. the second. Well, phase. I don't know how much money we posted the question of Jordy Nelson on yesterday's show. If you want to go back and listen to our discussion, you can podcast it. But a lot of people the, on Twitter think we're stupid for that. By the way, I don't know a lot of people like on on YouTube think that we're stupid. It's because he but played for the Packers, though. If you're re- if that's bad. your reason, that oh, not another Packer. Yeah. Okay, you should want good players. I would think to play for your team. Okay, not another Packer. That Brett Favre guy. Well, he was awesome in 2009, and they went to the NFC Championship game because of him and lost it because of him. But I digress. Right. If the second wave for the Vikings includes a Jordy Nelson type, so all of a sudden now you've got three really good wide receivers and a guy who maybe isn't what he was three years ago, uh, but it remains to be seen. Somebody did, I, I one of the responses to the Jordy Nelson uh, video that we posted, the clip from yesterday was, they, period, don't, period, have, period, any, period, money, to which I said, they have Rob Berzinski. Where there's a Rob Brzezinski, cap guru, the best cap guy in the NFL, there's always money available. So they could maybe there's still some things they could do here, even if you think they don't have any money. Because they, what are they, like the second fewest uh, dollars right now, I think, of any team in yeah, free agency? It's at the bottom, basically. But Rob Brzezinski has always found magical ways to do a little restructure over here. Let's put a little money from this folder and put it in that folder. Do you, and guys, some space up. Do you guys think that um, over the next few days that there is a chance that they trade Trey Waynes? Because I told Collar, with, with the way that things are skewing now, I don't think so. He said he thinks that there's a chance because they do have to create cap room somehow. I, I think at this point, the band is back together defensively, and I would be surprised if any defensive players get traded. And that and Xavier Rhodes is on that list, too. I, sure. would, I would be surprised if the, the length that they went to to bring back Anthony Barr and Everson Griffin, it, it feels like a keep the band together. And Rick Spielman, you, know, you just listen to the first 10 seconds of this quote, too. You know, we feel this organization's a family, and that's why I think... Our approach, whether it's right or wrong, that we're able to get guys like Anthony Barr to come back. I don't know. I mean, obviously, we've had a million instances of executives getting up and talking about how we're all a family, and then the next minute, I mean, Fred Hoiberg once stood in front of a Timberwolves draft party crowd and said, we got O.J. Mayo, and we will not be trading him. And 10 minutes later, they traded him for Kevin Love. Dave Gettleman said a month ago, we didn't sign Odell not to trade him. (laughs) Right. We didn't sign Odell to trade him. Right. I'm sorry. Yeah. So I don't know. I think I think the band is together. Uh, I don't think they're going to do anything to free up like ten million dollars in cap space, which is what the Trey Wayne's signing or or trading would do. But I I I know they always seem to have tricks up their sleeves on this second wave of free agency. Yeah, but to Judd's point, the entire Ted Thompson era, this this approach I'm talking about here was working, and it, it didn't stop working because he wasn't signing free agents in Green Bay. It stopped working because around 2015. Ted Thompson lost his magic touch in the draft because that was their whole thing, draft and develop and improve from within. And like I said, the Patriots, that's how they've always operated. The Steelers on some level operate on 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 that same on that same plan of we're not going to nine times out of 10, we're not getting in the silly money period of free agency. We'll hold out, we'll sit back, we'll wait and see what the second wave brings and then we'll coach them up. And I I think that that could work for the Vikings this offseason. Everybody's freaking out. This was an 8-7-1 and one team, and they've only lost players in the offseason, haven't added anything. That must mean that they're going to get worse. First of all, free agency isn't over yet. There will be players who can help you win football games available in the next week to 10 days or so. And then you have guys on this team who are either candidates for bounce-back years or who maybe haven't reached their full potential yet or who are coming back from injuries. I think the most underrated and, and under-talked-about thing in, in our industry is improvement from within. We get so wrapped up in free agency and trades, and I love it. I think it's great. I was part of the football free agency frenzy bonanza, and I don't regret it. It was a lot of fun. Hi! Football free agency frenzy bonanza. It's still going on, according and to you. It's it not is. done yet. It is. And, and it's I, not a bonanza really anymore. And I think stuff, but I, yeah. I think hype and buzz like this is good is good for whatever sport we're talking about. And I love football, so if we can increase the popularity of football and keep buzz out there about it, great. But when we talk about the actual impact, when you look back on it with hindsight being 2020, a lot of the times these signings that are happening in this period for this money don't work out. Mm-hmm. And and you look and hindsight being 2020 and what the Packers were able to uh, accomplish for so long operating this way, what the Patriots are still doing operating this way says that that model sort of works. All right. That's a fantastic point. But here's my comeback to that and and where I'm curious. 
because I keep saying this, but it's important to reiterate. I don't think this is a bad football team. So this is not like, oh my God, they're going to win four games and it's going to be a disaster. My curiosity lies because you bring up, Rami, two prime examples, the Packers and Patriots, which have the quarterback. So so when we talk about the evolution of players and the improvement of players, how much do we think that a different system with the same QB, and let's say some personnel changes, but not massive ones, right? how much better do we think Cousins can be in games where it matters most in 2019? Yeah, you're, you're banking on... In some ways, because you are, to steal a phrase from uh, Manny Hill this morning, you're running it back with your 2018 roster to 2019 in a lot of ways. Right? You're, you're bringing the, basically bringing the defense back, minus Sheldon Richardson, and you're bringing back the majority of your offensive pieces. You're not, to this point, you haven't made any drastic alterations to your offense, and the alterations you've made, you could argue that have been losses uh, to the roster, right? Mike Remmers is gone. Um, so if you're running it back mostly with similar pieces, you're hoping that Kirk Cousins can figure it out in some instances that he couldn't last year, games against winning opponents, games in primetime and clutch moments, late in games, et cetera. Or you're hoping that a system raises all boats offensively and, and I think, Gary Kubiak helps. I think coaching and systems have more impact in, in football and in the NFL than they do in any other major sport. Case in point, I know they brought in Whitworth to be the franchise left tackle, but the Rams from Jeff Fisher to Sean McVay are, yeah, they brought in some better players too, say, but, it was, it, but it wasn't just personnel. No, absolutely, absolutely not. And not, like I said, I think coaching has more impact in, in this sport than any other sport that we talk about. And I can't tell you Gary Kubiak is the right guy. What I can tell you is he has a long track record and he's one of the more well-respected offensive minds in the game. And if he is the right guy, that can have a huge impact. That can, We're talking about multiple wins if he's the right guy for Kirk Cousins and for this Vikings offense and, and can put guys in the right position and, and get them ready to succeed. Yeah. Uh, it's Mackie and Judd with Rami on the all-new Score North, and we just we've got the Big Ten tournament on over Rami's head over here. Too, I really so I can't stop watching traffic. I'm not even kidding right now. That's, oh, it's it's on our new TCL TV right incredible. above Judd's head with the traffic cam. It's mesmerizing. Yeah, we don't even really like like we don't need this TV to be on traffic because Jonathan has his own traffic. Right? Why does that have monitor? To, but if ask, it was something else, can we would, change the channel? It might be something guys, even can more. Can I ask a quick question though? So it, it, this traffic cam is not changing. It, it's been the same one now for the entire time. Yeah, usually I've doesn't been it usually doesn't flip here. from camera yes, to camera. It did, it did before. But my question is this. So is this thir- 35 going out of downtown, basically? Yes. Okay. Why is there no work being done on that bridge right now? <laughs> Last time I checked, it's not 5 p.m. yet. Not time to knock <laughs> off, boys, right? Why are we? Why do we have a bridge? Like, I pay taxes. It, is, it seems like it's taking forever. That right, whole and that bridge yeah. is taking a long time. Why are we not working on that bridge at 4.17 p.m. Central Daylight Time? How about the, too, the, the, gra- was it the gravel and the rubble that was between north and southbound 35W for miles and miles? Yes. I always wonder, what do you do with all that? Just like a million dump trucks come well, over and it stayed and grab there it. forever, too. I know. They like piled it up there and just left it there, and then it snowed on it. I get mild anxiety when I have laundry piling up. Imagine being a construction worker and looking at that pile of rubble every single day for miles and saying, I got I to gotta clean this up. <laughs> but wouldn't you just the like hell? to see? Wouldn't you like to see some work on that bridge right now? I would. I'm with you. 417. Let's get it done. 5 o'clock yet. Let's get it done. It's not East Coast time. No. Um, it's a write that down Friday. Oh, I got to write things down. I'm just kidding. I got them. Okay, good. I'm ready to go. <laughs> Look, I'm, Phil's like, you son of a... Well, no, you might want to... <laughs> no, I got things. You might want to put a little more thought in compared to last week based on some of the results of your predictions from last week. Wow. Colton. Throw that out there. <laughs> Bastard. <laughs> you doubted Colton with his wink. But uh, it's, it's, a, it's a famous birthday in town. Sid Hartman turning 99 years old today. Can we pry open some Sid Hartman stories from you, Judd Zolgan? And I, it would be fun because Rami's new to town. I'm sure you know who Sid Hartman is, but for uh, for for you to 
do a little story time here. I know. I knew of him when coming to town, but I don't. I don't know. You've not crossed paths yet. I have not crossed paths. You'll have that pleasure at some point. And I haven't gotten like he's got a hundred more years to go. In depth stories concerning Sid Hartman. All right. Yes. So yeah, we'll I, would, I would enjoy that. Mackie and Jeb with Rami on the all new score. It's touch them all. The thing I keep hearing about Miguel Sano is he gets it when it comes to conditioning and nutrition. Do you believe that he gets it, Derek? It would be great for the Twins if that's the case. But I think you're kind of just rooting for that. Look, it's possible that Sano has sort of had this light bulb moment, but we just can't know for certain until months later, maybe years later, in fact. I'm just a little bit skeptical right now after the number of times I've heard that. Touch them all! Touch them all. Here, score north. Scorenorth.com. Thank you, Jonathan. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami here on the all-new Score North on 1500. Scorenorth.com. We're available now on Spotify as well as wherever you download podcasts and uh, just search Score North. If you're looking for our Vikings programming, Score North Vikings, Twins, Score North Twins. We made it very easy for you to find all those and to follow us across all social media and digital platforms at S-K-O-R North. I'm Rami. There's Judd. There's Phil. And uh, today is a special day in the Twin Cities sports media scene, is it not, fellas? 99 years old, Sid Hartman. Or, or according to Patrick, there is there there have been rumblings oh out there. According to yeah. Patrick, there have long been, and, and Phil has been told this as well, and I believe that Patrick has talked about this on the air several times, that he's actually 100 today. But at some point in time, there was a year Where shaved. Where is this coming from? There was a year shaved off um, a sibling who's now deceased of Sydney's has said that uh, the belief is that he might actually be 100, but there was a year shaved off somewhere at some point in time. Now, my point is, I would get the year back on. So if that's me now, I'm like, I'm 100. <laughs> yeah. Right. Happy 100 to me. Because 99 is awesome. Like, I've been hiding it all these years. But, but now, this, now it's cool. This year, there's been this year I've been hiding from you yeah. guys. Well, it's hilarious. So when you're younger, it totally matters, right? When you're 15 and all your friends are 16 and you want to be 16 or... For me, I'm a May birthday. I'm a late May birthday. I'm May 20th. And so I always, every year, I was always the young one of my school me. classes. Yeah. When's your birthday? October 2nd. But I was oh. always, I was a grade ahead, so I started kindergarten when I was four. Oh, so, so you were the older. Rest of, the rest yeah, of, so you were, yeah. No, I was younger than everybody. So I started, oh, you're ki- right. okay, yeah. I started yeah. kindergarten when I was four, so I graduated high school at 17 when all my friends were 18. So you were even, it was even harder for you than me I'm very by advanced. six months. Yeah. And I, I remember, failed all along the way, but I was advanced. So was it like, for me in college, I would like as a 20 year old, yep, and, I was the last one. And so you'd so, either have to like find your way in. I never had a fake ID. And by the time I, I turned 21, nobody cared. They're right. like, yeah, we've been out drinking for a year. Dude. We were drinking Great. for five years. Congratulations. <laughs> I literally, there was a bar down the street from my house. They gave you a free bottle of champagne on your birthday. Me and my roommate, were, it was just the two of us, yeah. went and took down a bottle of champagne because nobody else cared. Judd started drinking when he was nine. Turning so 21, anticlimactic as hell. <laughs> It really wasn't. Mine was especially. I thought it was going to be exciting. It's like, and now I can do what I've been trying to, to do. And and when I turned 21 in 91, I believe, at that time, it, there were some strict places as far as carding went, but it's probably not as strict as it's become now. So it really wasn't hard to get a drink at 20. Yeah. Well, uh, I back to Sid Hartman in a second, but since we're down this path, I spent my 21st birthday, it was a weekend series, Twins against the Brewers at Miller Park, and this would have been 2006, I was born in 1985, so 2006, Boof Bonzer made a start on my birthday, roof on the Saturday. covering or not covering that time? I believe that it was closed. Okay, that ruins yeah. everything. Oh, there was a little bit of a breeze, and it was under 70 degrees, so they closed the roof oh, at yeah. Miller Park. Yeah, Miller yeah, Park. It's yeah. ridiculous. Uh, and we wound up, so we wound up just going all over the place. I don't even know where. I, I'm pretty sure we were staying on Marquette campus with some friends. Yeah. The whole thing is kind of a blur. Yep. I just remember us on our bar hopping tour. We got into some place, and it was like 95 to 100% guys. But we're like, we're, you know, we're whooping it up, and it's great. And a bunch of really friendly guys at the bar. And some guy comes up and... Whose birthday is it? Oh, it's my birthday. And he like, oh, order us a round of shots. Ordered us a round of Goldschlager oh. and proceeded to put his arm around me and tried to do the uh, like the wedding arm link shot drink. And I realized, oh, we're in a gay bar. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, you <laughs> Not that learn. there's anything wrong with that, but no. it's a little startling <laughs> right. when it's your when first you time. You don't know. Right. You don't know. <laughs> yeah. At but, that age, you don't know. So anyways, how would you, uh, what was your first ever encounter, Judd Zilgay, with Sid Hartman? 
Well, copy boy Judd Zulgat. Yeah, I started as a copy boy at the Star Tribune in August of '89, and and I don't remember the the first encounter. Now I had been covering stuff during my brief matriculation at the U Sports Wise, so I I had seen Sid before, but the incredible thing with Sid is, so 1989 he he was. How old at that time? 70-ish or so? 70-something? Late 60s? Yeah, some, yeah. And, you, you know, the expectation at that time, the joke was he's never going to retire. But the expectation was, okay, you know, he'll probably work five more years or so, maybe. And, you know, because people just get old. And But the amount of enthusiasm that that guy had at that age, which was not young again, and he would come in the newsroom, and at that time, it would be like a storm hit. He would come down the hallway, of course, you know, cursing and making jokes about people the entire time. But he gave, he didn't know people's names. So everybody got a nickname. <laughs> and, and he was very good about nicknaming people and not forgetting those. And usually it's Mr. Something. Yes. And like so 90% of the Mr. Phil had one, right? I was Mr. Statistics because I would write. When I covered the twins, and I was on when I was on the radio, and I'm still Mister Stat Guy, but yeah. it, I was much, much more Stat Guy. Mister Statistics, huh? Yeah, it's, uh, Tom Pelissero was Mister Scoops, or was that Doogie? That, I don't remember that one. Or maybe Tom, you know he was Mister Shirts, I think, because he'd always wear T-shirts. <laughs> yes. Mister Shirts, and and he gave multiple nicknames out. Were they all Mister? Yeah, all Mister. Most of them, yeah. most, yeah. But but he, in fact, because because we had a guy I worked with on the copy desk at the Star Tribune later on who was a big bears fan so he he was either george hallis jr or or <laughs> mr shirts because he had an array of like hawaiian tom Selleck, magnum pi oh, so shirts he, so he's multiple mr so he had two so there. he had two uh but my f- favorite one was was we had a, a fellow clerk of mine at the star tribune who was let's say unpredictable in, in attendance at work didn't always show up. Called in sick quite a bit. Okay. And so so the assumption of Sid was, because Sid can be completely oblivious about things. He can be, he doesn't remember names. He's always like going somewhere, so he doesn't seemingly pay attention. But he pays attention to some stuff, all right? So this person who didn't necessarily consistently show up for work, Sid dubbed her Cal Ripken Jr. <laughs> <laughs> Which might be the greatest one of all time. <laughs> Cal Ripken Jr.'s here. <laughs> Cal Ripken Jr., what are you doing here two days in a row? That's really pretty good. Um, I don't know. There's so many. So I, I haven't experienced nearly as many in-person uh, great Sid stories as a Patrick Royce or a Judd, but... Uh, and some of these are like Sid is the punchline in the story too, right. and so I'll, I, I've got a couple of those for sure. There was one he he's always gone around with this forty year old recorder that he carries at like a football, mm-hmm. and he's got kind of the Bob Barker yeah, I've seen it. microphone, yeah. right? Yeah. And it's all taped up. And side note: when I first started covering the Vikings for a different radio station at the time, and I would I would sit, I don't know, I, for some reason I drew the the lucky straw and I sat exactly. Down the middle, fifty yard line, and on my left was Sid Hartman, and on my right was actually Larry Fitzgerald and some other. And by the way, by the way, I I think that you started to cover the Vikings possibly right after Seifert left the beat, because Seifert used to take the the hit of sitting by Sid for, yeah. for the Star Tribune. When I replaced Kevin as the lead beat writer for the Vikings at the Star Tribune, I said, I'm not doing it. Yeah. So I sat as far away. So the story that you're about to tell, I think, came in the first year where Sid couldn't turn to Seifert and get help. Well, he would he would turn to me during games and I mean who the hell am I? I'm just I'm this twenty one year old Yeah, you know, just covering the Vikings for the first time. And because Sid, even 10 years ago, had a hard time hearing and sort of following things in a 60,000 person stadium. And he would elbow me every single play. Who, hey, who caught the, you know, who caught, changed my batteries, who caught that pass, et cetera, et cetera. But it never came, for me, it was never a burden. Changed my batteries in yes. the, oh, in yeah. the recorder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every oh, game. Yeah. And it was Good never, I never viewed it as a burden because I'm a 21 year old kid sitting next to Sid bleeping Hartman. And if he wants me to, if he wants me to, Changes 
something else. Like, I'll change whatever, within reason. <laughs> his tire, his tire. Okay. I meant his tire, yes. You can't change a tire. <laughs> That's true. I'll call, I'll call somebody. I'll call Luther Brookdale Toyota. Um, but uh, one of the great stories that I heard where Sid was the punchline and Sometimes that's the way it has been in the last 20 years. So Kyle Loesch, when he was a Twins pitcher, uh, and this was probably 2000, I don't know, five or six. And uh, Kyle Loesch is standing by his locker post-Twins game. And ordinarily, the way it works is media comes in, goes into the manager's office first, Garden Hire, Tom Kelly, whoever it would have been right. you know, in the last 25 years. Uh, they speak, and then you go in, and the clubhouse opens up. And, and, and so Sid subverts a lot of these things because he's Sid. Sid wanders around wherever he wants. So Sid goes into the clubhouse first because he wants to get Kyle Loesch before all the other reporters come in there. And Kyle Loesch, knowing that Sid can be a little bit of a look around the room for something better kind of a guy and also doesn't hear very well. Uh, Loesch, so Sid asks Kyle Loesch a question, puts the microphone in his face, and then kind of turns his attention to the rest of the room. And Loesch spent the 60 or 90 seconds of his answer just saying, and I'm paraphrasing, I wasn't in the room, I'm hearing this story secondhand. Uh, well, Sid, I know you're not really listening to me anyways, so uh, bleep you and bleep this interview. This is stupid. And I, again, you're scanning the room for better things, blah, 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 blah. And, and then he stops talking. Sid turns back. Thank you. <laughs> and the funny thing is, Sid loves that He's stuff. He's Teflon. Yes. He loves that stuff. Yes. But it, we, we actually, at the paper, so I spent, so... I was a copy aide and then a clerk there for like five years or something. And then I, I got on the copy desk after that. And I spent, I would say, a good four years. I was in charge of Sid's column. Now, now the at least at that time, the perception incorrectly was that Sid didn't, didn't write his column. He sort of dictated it. He wrote it. He'd come in and write the column. And then he would give it to the copy desk. And I would be the guy who would have to go through it and fact check it, clean it up. And... This assignment, Rami, was extremely interesting and took a long time because the key to this is you have to fact check it. There's a lot of mistakes. You have to clean up the grammar, but you can't take out the SID. Right. Like it can't read like this could have been written by the New York Times. Yeah. So I would go through these. But one thing that we always did, and I don't know if this file still exists somewhere or not, but we would always save the Sid naming mistakes because he would butcher names beyond belief, <laughs> but he wrote the column. So, so to be fair there, but one of the famous ones was when uh, Daryl Bevel was named the Vikings OC by Childers in 2006, he talked to him or something and he wrote about him and his name when it was turned in by Sid was Orville Burville. <laughs> 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 we had I'm not kidding you what? we had an entire list of, of Sid names uh, there, there was a guy that played for Michigan I believe in the 80s Ramil Robinson who was something like Oatmeal Robinson so we had this list of names but he wrote the column God bless him and, and the about the only time he called me at home and was mad was during the final four. The final four was here for a second time at the dome. When was it? Two thousand one. One. Oh, okay. So Sid writes this ode to these guys from the NC two A in town, and he clearly wants them to see their names and and him saying how great they are. And this is like a Friday night, and I'm like, I don't know who these guys are. I can't find their names. I'm just going to take this chunk of Sid's column and save it for him, and we'll circle back. The next morning, I'm not joking, 9 a.m. or something, phone rings. Dawn picks up the phone. Hello? Throws the phone at me. It's Sid. Oh, my God. Why'd you take that out? How could you take that out? I said, Sid, I couldn't fact check any of these names. I think they might have all been wrong. You couldn't find Orville Burble? Orville Burble's my favorite. Yeah, Absolutely great. I mean, he has made... It's it's one of the most legendary sports media careers you'll ever come across. And it's and it's also an era that... It, and he's, he's outlasted everyone from that era by a generation or more, right? Yes. And he's, I mean, some of the legendary writers from the 70s, late 60s, 70s, and 80s, and he's from the generation just before that and has outlasted all of those guys. And uh, Literally outlasted yeah. them. Yes, they're, yeah. they're dead for the most part. You're and, right. And younger. 
and it's amazing. And so I, people who've projected when's he going to retire and when's he finally going to like why why does he still go to sporting events and why does he sit three hours Twins game and my guess is if he stopped doing that ten years ago he probably still wouldn't be cel- he wouldn't be celebrating his ninety ninth birthday. Today. I think you're right. But and and he did for a long, long, long time get scoops, get these scoops. I I remember he called up and dictated to me because I was uh, a copy edit this time. Was it nineteen ninety that Puckett got the deal that trumped Ricky Henderson's contract? It was Somewhere like it was like three years, nine million dollars. It was a huge deal, and I'm not kidding you guys. It's like eleven o'clock on a Friday night, and and Sid's call gets transferred to me. Got a scoop. This is 1990, so he's 70-ish. Yeah. So so he doesn't get scoops that much now. But, I mean, this is still, at that point in your career, to get yeah. that. So that's he al- him. He almost killed me one time off of uh, off of Winneka. Is it 55 in Winneka? Do oh, those intersect? You're not the only one. So he was, <laughs> I think he was still driving up until a few years ago. Yeah. Right? He, yeah, that's correct. And I'm, so... I was, uh, first game. I was over there, I think I was over there to go hang out with Doogie, because Doogie lives in the area. And so I'm 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 at a stoplight. I get the green arrow to turn left, and so I go. And all of a sudden, from the other side, barreling like through a red light, turning right, is this massive black boat of a Cadillac. Right. And I like slam on the brakes, lean on the horn, like what? And I and I I saw a, a white hair flash go by, and I kind of drove up to like pull up next to the guy and kind of like, look over. And doing? It was like it yeah. was Sid. It was Sid. <laughs> like what? You almost just killed me. <laughs> Would have been a great story. <laughs> Rami, I'm not joking. About, what, 10 years ago, eight, eight years back now, Sid is crossing the street, First Avenue, to go to a, a Wolves game. He gets hit. He's a pedestrian. Wait, what? Somebody hits him. How he, long ago was this? Like eight years or so. Ten years, So perhaps. he's like a 90-year-old man, and he gets he's hit by a car? He's in his late 80s, early 90s. He gets hit by a car. I don't know. He he's knocked down. He gets up, looks at the person. I think has some terse words for them. Gets up and goes into the game. What? <laughs> true story. It's Ask true. Patrick about it. That's it the end for almost anybody that age who gets touched by a moving car. No, he's he's strong. A few years stronger ago, because of it. As Patrick says, a few years ago, he falls and breaks his hip. Now, for most older people, a broken hip is it. Like it's just going to be it. Something's right. going to happen. You're not going to. It's going. That's the start of okay. That was it's never going to be the it. same. Right. It's never going to be the same. He goes into surgery. I think they were prepared for the worst. Comes out of surgery, and eventually is back doing his column. It's remarkable. Amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> Rami's just like you guys are making this up. No, I feel bad about myself and how soft I am at age thirty nine. <laughs> it's all about genetics, Rami. If, <laughs> I'm telling you right now, if I'm in the parking lot and I get hit by a car walking in to do Mackie and Judd with Rami, I'm taking the day off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking the day off, even if I don't feel the pain at the moment. I'm like, it's going to sink in soon. I can't work today. I'm take if I get hit by a car, it's a d- at least one day off. Yeah, this dude is ninety. Well, I'm sure Royce will have some stories later on in the show as well. This might be a good segue, speaking of car violence. Let's try to avoid that, okay? Let's try to avoid that. Federated Mutual Insurance Company is reminding us all to drive safe, okay? Uh, By the way, write that down coming up uh, soon, too. The human brain is incapable of focusing on two tasks at one time. We're just like, we think we can multitask. We really can't, and we shouldn't. Here are some facts on distracted driving from the National Highway Transportation Safety Administration that might surprise you. 3,450 people died in distracted driving accidents in 2016 in the U.S. 391,000 were injured in accidents involving distracted drivers just a few years ago at last check in 2015. So while uh, cell phones and smartphones are the most talked about distraction on the road, plenty of other objects break our concentration behind the wheel, the radio, food, drinks, uh, passengers, all vying for our attention. So make sure the number one priority is your focused attention on the roads. Federated Insurance, it's our business to protect yours. Mackie and Judd with Rami. Thank you, Jonathan Harrison. You can find uh, more of Jonathan Harrison, Minnesota United pre-half and post-game host. And uh, you hit on your, well, we'll just, we'll save it for, we'll save it 15 minutes from now. I don't want to. Sp- I don't want to spoil a big moment for Jonathan and write that down. 
Oh. I think it's as big as you guys big think. Big moment for Jonathan? There might be a stat correction or two. Really? No, I think... Nope. Okay, we'll save it for 15 minutes for now. We've had a listener or maybe oh. a co-worker here do some digging. Okay, all right. So we're going to have a contested prediction and yep. write that down. We've got audio. Oh, wow. Whoa. whoa. Okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. All right. All right. Interesting. Okay, yeah. well, stay tuned. There's a tease. Stay tuned. Let's write that, that down Friday. with me? No. Okay, it's good. Mine. All right, good. Uh, no, this, I'm not playing Bartman anymore. Sorry. This story <laughs> from the Star Tribune. Right-hander Jose Barrios turned down a contract extension offer from the Twins over the winter, according to Phil Miller. The term team's offer unknown. Barrios is in his final pre-arbitration year. Will make something close to $555,000 a league minimum in 2019. And he doesn't become a free agent for at least a few years here. So uh, interesting that the Twins, according to Barrios, just flat out said this, uh, that uh, the Twins made an effort to give him a long-term contract extension, much in the same way they did with Max Kepler and um, uh, Jorge Polanco. But Jose Brios is going to bet on himself, it sounds like, and go year to year until he hits free agency, which this is a tough one. If you're the Twins, you definitely want you want to lock guys up so that you can control it. They're not going to make $20 million in their last year of arbitration. But at the same time, he's a pitcher, and so many pitchers undergo Tommy John surgery. If somebody offered me an ironclad five-year contract for a lot of money and I'm a pitcher, I might sign that. Yeah, actually. that's hard to pass up. That'd but be we really don't know what the offer was, up. in right. fairness. Yeah. But just that security, it's like you said, especially as a pitcher and the frequency of injuries with pitchers, that would be really hard for me to pass up. Not saying I wouldn't, and I respect him for what he's doing in betting on himself. And if you're a Twins fan, you might even prefer that because now this guy goes into every season feeling like he needs to prove something and and get to free agency healthy and, and performing at a high level to get that contract that he apparently wants one day. So he's motivated. Um but for him personally, I think it's a huge risk. It could have been that good, though, right? Because my guess, my guess is that there's a very good chance that he's he's going to come back, improve upon last year, this year, and then they're going to come back. And at that point in time, because if you are if if you're a Buxton or Barrios and you start to maximize your talents, I got to think the Twins are going to approach you with multi-year offers that are worth a ton. Yeah. This was probably, uh, you've done a really nice job. Why don't you take this five-year contract? Well, the other funny thing is when when the, uh, the, the, the payroll frenzied crowd gets so mad at the Twins, and it popped up in January, two months before first pitch, right, of the mm-hmm. regular season. And, of course, what we don't know is how many guys have they gone to behind the scenes in addition to Jorge Polanco and Max Kepler and said, we want to give you more money. Like, they, they, they went to Jose Barrios and said, we want to give you more money. Do you want it? And he said, I'm going to bet on myself because I think I could get even more money if I were to just go year to year and then hit free agency rather than you guys buying out a year of free agency. This is purely speculative, but we're not above that here at Score North. I would imagine that they approached Byron Buxton about a contract extension this offseason. <laughs> Only because it makes sense. You know what? That is not speculative. I think it's 1,000% true. Okay. I'm I'll going just, with then it. Let's just say it's 1,000% true. Sources have confirmed. They've approached Buxton, Rosario, Barrios. There's no question. Sano's the only guy that would scare me say, way too much. Uh, but but again, they're not approaching them with, uh, we're going to buy out some years and you're going to make a ton. I think they're going with, uh, we're betting on you and you can bet on yourself with this nice small offer. Yeah, And they're probably saying, hold on a second here. But if Barrios, if Barrios has the year that we expect this coming year, I think there's a very good chance that they go, all right, it's time it's time to go go more towards break the bank as opposed to, yeah, we're gambling that you're going to be good. Yeah. Uh, so we, we yesterday we dove into all the different changes that Major League Baseball is going to implement for 2019 and 2020, and we and we had a great time with that segment. But uh, there is something that they've done a few times, and they are doing it again this year that you take issue with, Judd Zolgad. Yeah, this here. So the floor is yours. Yeah, and it, this drives me crazy every time they do it, and they don't do it every season, but it seems like they do it frequently. Opening day overseas. So if I'm not mistaken, the MLB season is going to open next Wednesday and Thursday in Japan in two nondescript games between the Mariners and A's. I am not against international baseball. The I think the idea is good. And, and there's going to be a, a two-game series in London in June, Red Sox, 
Yankees, which is selling tickets very quickly and sounds like a really cool idea. But there's only so many special weekends and days that each sport has. And to have the A's play the Mariners in regular season games, and then, by the way, the A's are going to come back and they're going to play a three-game exhibition series against the Giants before they officially open their season in the States on the 28th of March. I don't get it. Opening day of baseball should be special. And it's my belief that it should be a bunch of games where people are like, yeah, baseball starts and, you know, you start with this game, but then there's all these games. The idea of opening day being at, what, 4 a.m. somewhere where yeah. no one's I, – I don't I don't understand why you don't want to maximize that day as a special day. I love how football does it. Here it's Thursday night, and let's put two teams that were in the NFC and AFC uh, championship games against each other, right? Like, it's going to be the Patriots against the Steelers or whatever on opening night, and it's everyone gets to watch this one game on opening night. I would I would rather that be the case. Let's All right, Astros, maybe it's an interleague series, and it's just a World Series rematch, three-game series, and you get opening night is that game with those two teams. It's the best two teams in baseball or something like that. That would be fun. Or if you knew where your free agents were signing, you could plan it a little bit more in advance. If your free agents would sign in November, maybe now you could you're asking too much. three months to figure out, oh, let's put Bryce Harper in the first game on national TV. But he signed five minutes before the season. I don't like these international games at all, period, to begin with. I, I, and, and the thing that offends me as a fan about these international games is that they try and sell it to us here in the States as if it's, it's something special for us. I don't I I don't care if baseball is popular overseas. I don't care if the NFL is popular overseas. I don't care if the NBA is popular overseas. It does nothing for me. It, I don't profit or benefit from that at all. The only people profiting and benefiting from that are Major League Baseball, the NFL, and the NBA by growing their market and their base and finding more people that they can make money off of. And that's great. And I understand that, but why to Judd's point Take what to me as as a diehard baseball fan is kind of a holiday, mm-hmm. and hand it over to another country. That's my point. And on. if I want to watch it, I got to get up at four in the damn morning to watch. And you're trying to sell this to me as a good thing, like, hey, we're opening the season in Japan. Come check it out. Yeah. No, I'm not waking up at four yeah. in the morning. Like I got to be honest. So you're kind of you're mad about it. You worked up. I don't even. The reason I'm not worked up is because I'm not watching the game. I'm there's. It's not even a decision. I just. I just won't be watching. But doesn't the game. it make it? But doesn't it make you upset that a sport that, that you love again is taking a misstep that seems illogical? I, I'm, I so under- u- I'm so used to their missteps, and I still love the game. So what does that say about me? I guess I'm a I I'm under- a fraud, or they just have me hooked. Well, I understand the need of these leagues or or the want to expand. So that doesn't bug me. But opening day is. Spe- I grew up with with. The Reds would play the first game at home, and then that would be followed by a slew of games. And I remember in my 20s, I would take that day off of work, and I would sit in front of my TV, and it would be absolutely fantastic. It would be a holiday, to Rami's point. But now it's like, well, and today in baseball, the Mariners beat the A's 6-4, to and I'm going to be like, oh, I forgot that game was on. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know when I realized that this was all a bunch of crap, and I, and I, and I fell for it? They the Cubs opened the season in Japan. I think it was what year would that have been? I had turned twenty that year, so I'd be like ninety nine. The Cubs opened the season in Japan, and I fell for it. Like they were marketing it as something cool, something great for you and Cubs fans and baseball fans. I was like, yeah, sweet. I'm gonna get up at three a.m. I'm gonna make pancakes. I'm gonna watch the Cubs, and then I was asleep by the third inning, and I woke up pissed off. That they played the game at four in the morning, and I missed most of it because I fell asleep. And I realized very quickly in that moment that this wasn't for me. This wasn't for Cubs fans or American baseball fans. This was for Japan and Major League Baseball to make more money. Yeah, to your point, they've got a big enough problem trying to figure out the American fan base. Cater to that, and then you can get... The NFL has conquered it, so okay, go play in London, right? Uh, Wetmore, what's going on? Hey. I uh, heard your guys talking some Twins extensions, and I had a little bit of uh, steam for you if you wanted it. Uh Uh-oh, hold on a second. Two consecutive days of on-air steam? Wow, Doogie breaks something yesterday, and you got to come in here and puff your chest and break something on the Mackie and Jeb with Rami show. (laughs) 
This isn't breaking news. I just wanted to share with you guys a couple updates from what I'd heard in Fort Myers on the extensions. Okay. So it's not Everson Griffin coming back level, but uh, three guys that you were talking about earlier, I can give you a little update. One of them is that Barrios, you mentioned a possible year-to-year until free agency. Just a tweak of that, I was told, at least the way it was put to me, that the two sides are continuing conversation, that it's not going to happen this year. Don't expect any kind of extension before opening day by any means. But that the table is still open, that they could revisit those talks next winter. And then you'd be looking at uh, maybe a Luis Severino or Aaron Nola as sort of the high-water benchmarks for what an extension would look like where they, they bought out some free agent time with those two star pitchers. So that's what I know on that one. On Rosario, I heard, I don't know if this is true or not, but this is a reckless speculation segment. Rosario was uh, offered a contract and didn't want what they were given. Uh, the last one, I don't know this one at all, but the Byron Buxton, you guys said it was a slam dunk 1,000%. How do you tell that guy to go home in September and then offer him a contract extension two months later? That one wouldn't make sense to me. It would be a little weird. Yeah. You're self-confident. <laughs> I'm Thad Levine, and I can do whatever I want, Derek. That's how you do it. Yeah. That'd be a misstep to me if you guys uh, sent him home, sent him back, and said, ooh, sorry, that wrist is probably still bugging you, right? And you say, hey, but can we buy out some free agent gears at a discount? Don't you want to be here? It would be a little 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 surprising uh, if they they treated him that way. That is uh, Derek Wetmore. What did P.J. Fleck tell us years ago? I eat uncomfortable conversations for breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, that, that would be really uncomfortable from my shoes. But who knows? Yeah, anything for an edge, right? Exactly. Uh, will you get, I'm assuming that Five Thoughts has been posted today on the Score North Twins show's feed. That's up. And I don't want to steal any of Rami's thunder, but he did debut a brand new segment. Yes, I did. So you need to go and listen to that. Search Score North Twins wherever you can download podcasts or listen to us on Spotify or on the Score North app. Bye, Derek. Bye, guys. It's a very exciting announcement. Cool. On Five Thoughts. Check it out. All right. Basically confirmed confirmed our speculation right there, I thought. What what Rami did or Derek did? Derek did. Oh, okay. We speculated about Byron Buxton. We shut down the Buxton speculation. Well, he tried you, and then I came back and said, no, they clearly did it. (laughs) So your speculation just confirmed it. Your further speculation speculation of how Derek and Thad thinks trumps what Derek thinks about them because he doesn't understand how self-confident these young men are. Fair enough. Let's make some predictions when we come back here. It's our weekly Write That Down segment and accountability session. I'm Mackie and Jeb with Ron. Venture X from Capital One is the travel card for people always asking, Where next? You earn 10x miles on hotels and rental cars and 5x miles on flights booked through Capital One Travel and 2x miles on everything else you buy with Venture X. Plus, receive premium travel benefits like access to over 1,300 airport lounges. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details.